You know, selling is a team sport and buying is a team sport when it comes to enterprise sales. So it's really about the connectivity and being social enough to social intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's really how you operate in these very complex, dynamic relationships, how you share information, how you do discovery, how you build relationships. The future of sales is social. Welcome to the Making Sales Social podcast, featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, as we each bring you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients, so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bryn Tillman and I am so excited about this guest because he is someone that I've worked with for years now in quite a few different companies. Although he, you know, he's brought me on to be a vendor of some companies, I learn from him every single time we chat. And I'm really excited to introduce, hi, John Stopper. Welcome to Making Sales Social. Hello, Bryn. Thanks for having me. Excited I'm, to be here. I am so excited for you to be here. Tell, tell and, everyone. And I learn from you every time we speak as well. Isn't that fun? It's yes. just fun. So yes. tell everyone a little bit about you and uh, North Star. So uh, I've been in technology for way too long. A uh, large part of it in sales. I've been a salesperson, a sales leader, a CEO. Ten years ago, I started my own company. Uh, North Star 8. And because I saw companies making the same mistakes over and over again when it came to revenue generation. So I developed some systems, uh, methodologies, some tools to help companies with revenue growth strategies. Yeah. And that's what I do. Yeah. And you do it really, really well. And I'm really excited to dive into that a little bit. But before I go into some of our enterprise sales questions, we ask everyone on the show, what does making sales social mean to you? You know, it's, I have a front row seat. So I have a client and their help asked me to help them with actual deals or sales execution. So I, I'm on four to five sales calls a day from the initial discovery call to negotiating final contracts. And, you know, selling is a team sport and buying is a team sport when it comes to enterprise sales, right? So it's really about the connectivity and socially being social enough to it's social intelligence. Mm -hmm. It's really how you operate in these very complex dynamic relationships, how you share information, how you do discovery, how you build relationships. The future of sales is social. So yeah. I think that's what I think of Grant. That's great. I love that. Um, so let's talk enterprise sales. This is in some ways, an underserved market because they're treated in the sales process and training generally in the marketplace as transactional sales. And it's mm -hmm. kind of broken, right? I've learned a lot of this from you. So talk about what's wrong with the way generally enterprise sales are going to market? Yeah. So let's define in B2B sales, I break it into two parts, transactional sales and enterprise sales. The difference you could characterize by transactional sales is one or two decision makers, a single value prop. It, it's uh, usually more SMB. 
lower price points. You can publish your pricing on your website. And there's a little negotiation here and there. Uh, now, enterprise sales, you have multiple decision makers and influencers. Each can have their own evaluation criteria. Uh, you have a very sophisticated buying process that, because, especially due to COVID and people all of a sudden being working remote, companies don't know their own buying process anymore. So it's being defined on the fly. So a lot of sales methodologies in the marketplace, which are terrific, were developed a lot focused on transactional sales. And they have, you know, here's a fixed plan, here's a fixed process. When you take that to enterprise sales, it breaks down because it's not about a fixed sales process. It's about being able to navigate through all of the ever-changing and the rapidly changing business conditions. I mean, just since January, Bryn, look at what our world has changed dramatically in the last three, four months. And the way you sold in January or December, it won't work today. Budgets are tightening up fierce competition for budget dollars. The buying processes were defined before are getting reworked, right? To greater sc scrutiny over spend. We've gone from an age of abundance where there was generally a lot of, you know, generally a lot of money available to invest to an age of scarcity, right? So we got to, so that a lot of the way people are selling today, it's that those methodologies need to be revamped. You can't sell the way you did over the last 10 years. So what do sales leaders need to think about around this new shift? Yes. You know, the toughest job in all of business is a sales leader today. There's a trap that I've seen, and you and I have discussed this, in that a lot of people are throwing tools mm -hmm. at solving the problems. And or attempting to solve the problems. Yes. Yeah. Right. And if you talk to a sales rep today, they're working with between eight and 12 different tools and sales productivity hasn't increased. Now the tools are terrific, but generally they're siloed. They mm -hmm. work independent of one another. Mm -hmm. So you got reps say, I need to do discovery. So they go into LinkedIn, they go into Salesforce, they use SalesLoft, um, they could use Crunchbase, they could zoom, zoom in, use Zoom Info. Uh, there's all kinds of new tools coming out. There's a tool for everything, mm -hmm. but what they're not doing, it's like being a carpenter. You got your toolkit, but do you know how to use the tools and when to use them and in what order? And I don't think sales leaders today are thinking about a cohesive technology strategy. How do I put all these together and train my people? And then they're not training them. From what I can see, there's not enough focus on training on how to sell and sales strategy. Mm. It's all tool-based. Yeah, interesting. You know, one of the things that we talk a lot about just generally is how sales productivity tools are getting in the way of sales productivity. And mm -hmm. so I think that's exactly kind well of what said. you're saying here is there's a, this, this tool stack that takes up so much time that salespeople aren't able to really sell because they're reporting and filling things out. And yeah, I mean, even CRMs can get in the way of productivity if they're not done well. So Hearing that, yeah. that you're seeing that too is, you know. Yes. Telling. And here's here's what I'm seeing. A lot of these tools are 10, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And even some of the, the newer ones are based on, uh, you know, old. Now the, there's a new generation of tools I'm very excited about, right? Which are AI-based tools. 
and it's called foundational AI. And here's the simple explanation of it. Tools today are data consumption devices. You got to feed them information or they give you static data points. Foundational AI tools will anticipate a salesperson's and a sales leader's needs. And they'll be able to go out and say, oh, based on what you're doing, what your product does, here's opportunities that we see in the market because they're parsing LinkedIn, they're parsing Google, they're parsing news. So they're finding triggers. Well, exactly. Okay, so they're finding triggers out there and serving them to the sales reps and leaders saying, based on what we know, your prospects want, this one might be hot. True productivity. Or one of your prospects just got a new CEO. Wow. Mm -hmm. Right. That's going to change things. They're going to come in and say, hey, we're changing how we do business here, most likely. Mm -hmm. Or I got a new head of sales or a new head of a CFO, whatever. Wow. How does that impact my deal strategy? Yeah. And that's a great way to look at this. One of the reasons I love Sales Navigator is you save accounts and leads and they they feed you triggers that you can act yes. upon. But what I love about this is, is, you know, I work with salespeople all the time. And yep. when I start working with them, it, some of them are still cold calling, just lists of people. And this is so much smarter. This is just a smarter way to work. It's not throw a whole bunch of stuff on a wall and hope some of it sticks, right? You're actually have, having conversations with people that are having conversations about the challenge that you solve. So, yeah. And to go back to your question of a sales leader, you know, evaluating a salesperson's productivity and performance, not on quantitative aspects, like how many calls did you do this week, but you know, what's the quality of your engagement? So right? changing so that, those KPIs matter. They do. Yes. And they, and most, a lot of sales leaders I see are attempt, you know, they're doing that sort of, but there's still a lot of, Hey, you didn't make your number. And they go back and say, Hey, you only made three sales calls. I just spoke with a woman who is all upset. She's at the bottom rung of the, that they post down sales uh, on uh, sales, sales leaders, the leaderboard. And she's at the bottom and she's all flipped out, but she has three deals that'll out. She'll be triple the the highest person at the end of the year. So, so they're measuring the wrong things. Yes. And as a salesperson, she's upset. I don't want to, I'm a high performer. I'm at the bottom, but she'll kill it. It's just, she has big deals. that. And will... she's doing less activity from a volume standpoint and more focused activity. And so they're measuring the wrong things. I thought, yeah, I see, I see that often. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the bottom line is uh, if this, the company is smart, they're going to learn, you know, who's doing the right activity, not just doing a lot of activity that would make it. Yeah. I think they know, I don't think they're taking that board seriously and they know, but the fact that it's there and she sees it's motivating though for some. Yes. She's, you know, is a a high performing sales person. You're metric driven. Interesting. So, so one of the things that I hear from you often is that predicting pipeline Mm -hmm. deal you know, sales reps will embellish this will close in three months because they want, you know, they want their pipeline to look good because they're looking at the wrong KPIs. The sales reps are reporting on those KPIs, but that doesn't change the fact that they're not real deals and they're not going to close. And so, 
you know your revenue prediction right uh, forecast, your forecast forecast that's the word i was searching for and i couldn't yes. pull it out there you know there there is off almost every quarter so talk a little bit about that and what can sales leaders start looking to up your linkedin game the social sales link team has you covered with our linkedin sales accelerator a guided social selling program that includes training coaching and so much more Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. To do or think about to fix that. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I'll tell you the first, there's four things you could do. But the first thing that I look at on the forecast is what's the value prop. And in my compass selling methodology, I have what's called the value chain. And there's five different ones. And it's funny, I just went through this exercise with a client. They, if you're selling efficiency, my offering is going to help you do your job faster, better, cheaper, is the least valuable value prop there is. Mm. And the deals, when are, they have all these deals that keep slipping, they forecast at the close, it doesn't close. And when I drill into it, they're all efficiency value props because the senior executive the buyer, the CEO or the CFO says, well, my hair's on fire over here. And while this investment in this product will help this person do the job better, it's not critical. It's not mitigating risk to my business. So a sales leader needs to train and coach their people to go up the value chain. Don't sell efficiency. So, hey, my investing in my solution is going to help mitigate risk to your business or get you in a position to strategically grow your position or your business. So I evaluate the forecast accuracy based on the type of value. And it's I guarantee I always defer deals. If it's an efficiency play, you won't close it this month or very low chance. Interesting. And one of my favorite things is if I get a deal deferred and I'm an efficiency play, my first thought is somebody stole my money. Somebody who came in with a higher type of value prop, the, the CEO or the CFO looks around and goes, I'll take that money that was earmarked for that project and put it in this more critical one. That's what they do. So what kind of discovery do you do to, to, to be able to identify that higher value proposition? The first thing is I, I coach people not to be single threaded. So you get a lead at a company. You get your champion, your sponsor, and all your work is right with that person. And they're usually going to be your user. So they think about efficiency. And the way you get around that is you go broad. You make, you force yourself to meet with more people in the business. So you can meet with C-level or other executives and say, hey, tell me what's going on in your business today. You know, what risk do you perceive? If you were to buy my offering, how would that materially change how your business functions? And you let them answer it instead of you tell them. I exactly. love exactly. Yeah, that's one of my yeah. favorite questions. You know, you, you want to invest in my product. How will that materially change how your business operates? And if they can't answer that, it's like, whoa, we have and to you, get there. Yeah, it's never going to hear be things fan. like, I don't know if it'll help, but I could tell you, here's the problem I got over here. Oh wow, I can help you with that. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how. I could tell you something you might not see, and that's value in and of itself, right? And even if your solution doesn't solve that, you're creating trust. You're inspiring them to want to continue conversations with you because you're bringing value. So yes.
And you're showing that you have an interest in their success because you're looking beyond your own features and functions. You're doing discovery around, you know, what are the real problems you have today? How are you solving those? What other, what other investments are you making? Can I integrate with that? How often do you bring in case studies and testimonials into those conversations? Because, you know, sometimes when you just tell them that you can do it, they're not always a hundred. They're like, oh, well, you could tell me all day long. When I bring in a case study or a case story, often that um, connects them better to, oh, not only is she telling me that she could do this, she's done it. Do you find that to be an important part of the sales process? It's absolutely critical. Great salespeople, high performers are great storytellers. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean, you know, I'm not telling you stories. It's like, in it's fact, not a once upon a time story. Yes. It's, you know, how I get my new customers and how I get meetings is, hey, I met with so-and-so who's, say I'm calling a CEO of a company or whatever position. I just met with so-and-so. They're in a peer, they're in your industry. And I'd like to share some of the, you know, we're helping them out. I'd like to share how, what I'm doing for them. And maybe there's some insights I could, provide for you. Uh, and then when I'm in the sales process, I'm always saying, oh yeah, that problem, this this guy over here had that and I solved it for him. It's critical. I, I don't think I have a call where I'm not bringing in some story about other people experiencing similar problems and they solved it in a similar way. I love um, that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's something, and I've heard you say often, and so I'm, I'm you know, it's, the fact, so if salespeople are selling solely based on, you know, here are my talking points and you never bridge their challenge to a challenge you've solved somewhere else, it seems so much harder for them to see that high value. Yeah. You know, Brian, people are trying to just figure things out. And if they see that someone else had already been down the path, it shortens your sales cycle dramatically. It takes away the stress of indecision. You know, people are afraid to make investments today. It could hurt their business if they do it incorrectly. So they're searching for precedent and safety in numbers. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you do for your clients is you go in and you'll analyze their deals and you talk a little bit of how do you zoom in and zoom out when really looking deeply in a deal. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like as we wrap up this podcast? I think that's a really powerful thing for sales leaders to think about. Well, if by zoom in, I mean, you need to be able to look at tactics and what kind of tactics are you using as you sell? And you drill in to the specifics of a deal and then zoom out is more of your, your strategy. So to me, tactics are how you sell. And strategy is the who, what, when, where, and why. Who do we should we be selling to? Have we bridged to those people? What content do I associate with each different type of persona? When do I position it? I always try to plan five steps ahead, and they're not sequential, they're parallel. So I'm going to, right? So yeah. most people are sequential. They go, oh, I'm going to do this and then I'll do this and then I'll do this when it, once after each thing is complete where I'm like, man, I'm going to run five parallel activities. So I'm going to give you a demo 
I'm going to give you a pricing proposal. I'm going to bridge to your CEO. I want to do additional discovery with your CFO. And I plan these five parallel, in some cases it could be 10, and I'm executing them all at once. And that's how you gain speed on your deal because you're not single threading and doing one after the other. Interesting. So I'm going to ask one last question because it reminded me of something that a strategy that you employ and teach because uh, you had said, okay, I'm going to connect with the CFO. Now, if I'm not a finance person, I'm a salesperson, I know my product, I know the solution. Mm-hmm. What's a good way for my company and I to connect with that CFO or the CTO or the, you know, the technical yeah. buyer? Bryn, I work with all different kinds of companies, all different types of products and all different types of personas. And it's really about being curious. It's asking, hey, tell you know, what's your day look like? Uh, what are some of the obstacles you have? I don't have to be a finance person. It's more, what type of tools are you using today? Uh, boy, if that's a problem, how's it impacting the overall business? And what's it look, what would your ideal state look like? If we could solve that problem, how would that change, materially change what you do and what goes on in your company? So what I'm hearing is, you're using the same methodology, but each of them have a, each of the buyers or the influencers, you're solving a different need based on how your solution impacts them in their role. Yes. I break it into four types of personas. A C-level cares about strategic growth. They care about innovation. They care about risk to their business. A user cares about make my life faster, better, cheaper, right? A manager with the budget cares about ROI and total cost of ownership. And then operators, they are procurement, legal, IT. They care about protecting the business. So when you get, you categorize a persona and you ask different questions mapped to that type of person. That's brilliant. And that is a great place for us to to begin to wrap this up. Um, I, I love that. So um, tell everyone how they could get a hold of you. Uh, go to our website, northstar8.com, northstar8.com. You could send me an email at jstopper at northstar8.com. Um, and I'm happy to help anybody. He's also on me. LinkedIn. So I'm on can... LinkedIn. And okay. Bryn's been uh, very instrumental in me being better at that. And I'm always willing, no obligation. I'm always willing to ha- help somebody, a sales leader or a sales rep with a strategic deal. And you want, want to do a little workout, happy to help. What a very generous offer. Make sure you guys, if you have something that's being held up, that feels stalled, that, that John's great at kind of figuring out why that is and what to do. So Thank you so much for being here. I am beyond grateful that you shared your insights with me and with the audience. And I'm also beyond grateful to have you as part of my inner circle of beautiful sales brains. So yes, um, and you're a great, Bryn, you're one of my, you know, you're a coach, a mentor, and, you know, someone I enjoy working with. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. Guys, make sure you connect with John. 
Go to northstar8.com. If you're a sales leader with large teams or even individual salespeople, he has solutions for everyone. So until next time, when you're out and about, make sure you are making your sales social. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.